Camille yeah. from Ryerson, yeah. okay, joining uh, us here on the show. I don't get to do this very often, so I actually, I, I asked Camille in advance. I didn't really ask him. I kind of maybe forcibly put this on him. I asked if I could record our conversation because I figured that a lot of the questions that um, Camille as a creative industry, creative industry student. Specializing in the art and business of Specializing in the art and business of film. That's fantastic. It comes with its own tagline. I asked him if it was okay if we could record this so that we could put this out and so that, I guess, we could share in that conversation. For the entire time of this conversation, I have not put the camera on Camille because I didn't want to embarrass him with having a camera on him the entire time. But this is a one-hour conversation that I don't know how long this will end up becoming in the edit, but um, I've tried to put as much as I can so that you can enjoy, hopefully, uh, some of the questions. Now, because it's so long, what I'm going to do in the link up below is you'll see um, all the questions that Camille asked and the timestamp. So you can fast forward to the answer to any one of those questions that he asked. And do you mind? May I? May I? May I? May I? May I? Ah, 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 ah. There he is. Oh, Nightcrawler. I was thinking Marvel Land Nightcrawler. No, no, no. no, 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 no the Dan Grill. Yeah, he's one of the best writers working today. Yeah. Actually, sorry. His, well, him and his brother are like the two. They're in, insanely good. Yeah, it was a directorial debut. Yeah. Yeah, and I listened in a, uh, in, it, was, it, was, it was a podcast. His brother was saying how he wanted to direct it, mm. I think. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. yeah that was my, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. So at what moment did you want, uh, did you realize you wanted to work in the film industry? Um, you know, for, for me it was always a question of what I didn't want to do, not what I did want to do. Like it was weird that way because the, the whole idea, I went to business school, right? So the whole idea was people who were coming out of business school were always doing things like, okay, they're going to become a consultant or an advertiser or something else. So that was like the train of people coming out of business school. I, in Montreal, yeah. like you, had a network of a few people through some family connections, mm-hmm. uh, networked from those, what was three people initially, and to turn into about 81 people that I met with. Remember, very specifically, I met with this person, asked them for references, met with that person, asked them for references, da-da-da-da, and then found, eventually found my way to my first job. But it wasn't like I was, like I wanted to be a producer or a director or a screenwriter or one of those things. It was just more along the lines of, I know what I don't want to do, this is kind of interesting as a path to go on. And then it just sort of, it, it landed up finding a job in the industry and then kind of learned just more randomly about it rather than like, this is going to be the thing I want to do. But, you know, as a kid who watched a billion hours of television, uh, like, you know, and movies, it was, it would seem it was, it was a good fit, I guess, at the end of the day. And this was through networking, working with those those people. Um, the 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 first job I had was at a company called Alliance Atlantis, which was a very big company back in the year two thousand. Yeah. It was one of the largest production company in Canada, and uh, I I landed up doing a it was it was the position was called business coordinator, right. and uh, I had the opportunity to just really roll up my sleeves and get to learn. The film business, I mean, one of the things I'm really big on right now is that you need to have a job as close to what you want to do in the business that you can get to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from there, you're going to, you know, figure out your own, 
your own path. But that was sort of where I learned the business side of what has fundamentally become the job that I do today. But it started, you know, 17 years ago with the networking, getting that first job, learning the fundamentals of, you know, what. Mm-hmm. Also, you didn't even initially want to be in, in film. You were just a business student and... Well, I was was a business student and I was looking for a job in the film business without actually really having any understanding of what the film business was. Like that was, to me, that was the, that was the, um, that was the learning, uh, was just kind of like, even my first job, like I really had no idea what I was doing, like none, like just the whole idea of being in the film business or the television business was just conceptually was very... Foggy. I mean, you probably have a better understanding of what the film business is today than I had when I started, mostly because I think you're exposed to what you see on the computer and, you know, on stuff like this. It, it's that, that. So you know more now than I knew. You, you know more now than I knew then, you know? Like, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think that's just what it is. And so you probably have a better idea and in terms of a direction for your career, like, like, what do you want, what do you want to do? Um, right now I'm leaning towards maybe perhaps uh, script writing or maybe being a film critique. Okay, so you like the writing side, you like critiquing, you like writing, you, so you want to be not, okay, that, that's... But I mean, I'm still open to any other... No, 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 I think that's great, actually, like being, like a film, like film, do you, do you write, do you have a blog where you, where you write and I'm critique? I'm to start one. Yeah? Yeah. That's great. That's great. But I'm still open to other areas. Like, I still want to explore all the areas in, in film, which I haven't done yet. But, right. But I'm on the process of doing that. Right. So. Cool. Yeah. So, in your own words, what's the, um, the roles and responsibilities of a producer? Uh, what does a producer do? Uh, man, that's it's funny because I was talking about this the other day at the conference. Right. Right, the what a what a producer does, mm-hmm. um, and we actually we just I just did a video actually the job of the video I did I'm, I'm gonna link it up here if you haven't if you haven't seen that video I'm gonna link that up oh, cool. so that you know other people who are watching this can check that out. But the job of the produce the job of the producer in my mind is there's there's kind of the there's two sides to it. Okay, there's the there's the IP side. So as a producer, your job is to find, develop, create IP. Right, so that IP could be this this book here, okay, this one. Right. We had this guy on our podcast. Uh, he's a writer, Toronto-based writer. Mm-hmm. This is a book. A big producer in LA optioned this book, is turning this book into a movie. Okay, so this book is the underlying IP. Your job as a producer is to find this book. Potentially, it could be anything. It could be an idea. It could be a book. It could be a video game. It could be whatever the hell it is. It's the underlying IP. You're a writer. You want to be a screenwriter. If you create, you write a script that you own, you own the underlying IP, mm-hmm. right? Super important. So that's the first part. So you as the producer is different than you as the screenwriter, but you as the producer would try and find the script. Yeah. You as the screenwriter, if you wanted to produce your own material, well, then you would own, you'd already own your, your own intellectual property. Right. So like, like the fundamental job of a producer is to effectively find that IP. Find it, develop, find it, own it, option it, create a, do you know what an option is? 
Okay, an option. An option is um, when you... Okay, so I want to make that book into a movie. Okay, that, that writer's not going to give me the rights to that book mm-hmm. and say, yeah, sure, here, you, you can have my book, you can turn it into a movie right. forever. And then it never becomes a movie, right? So an option is a defined period of time mm-hmm. in which you, the producer, can develop, turn the underlying IP or script whatever it may be, turn the IP into and into a, you know, a film. But basically get, get to go, get to green light. Right. So at some point your option, the, the period of time that you have to develop your script or your book and turn it into mm-hmm. uh, green lightable material, that is right. material that you can then actually start production on, that's the option period. At that point you... Purchase, another industry term, you purchase the rights. So then you as the producer, mm-hmm. you're asking about the job of a producer. So you as the producer, option material, mm-hmm. find material you want to produce, yeah. develop that material. You have a certain period of time in which you can um, pull the trigger on that option. Mm-hmm. Okay, So then at that point, you usually spend more money to purchase the rights and then you own the material. You own the underlying intellectual property of what will eventually become your film based on a script or a book or somebody's life, whatever it is. It's the job of the producer. One, find and develop the intellectual property. Own it. Develop it. And two, bring the people together necessary to actually make it. So, director, cast, uh, first AD, director of photography, editor, you are the guy that... Literally every role, every role, right? Well, I mean, nowadays you've got 17 producers, right? You've got one person who's in charge of financing, one person who's in charge of the creative producer, the guy on set, one person who's the guy that actually developed the material and got it into the hands of the next producer who helped get the money. You know, every producer's got a very thin slice, but if there was only one producer on a film, their job would be to, you know, hire yeah. all these people yeah. who eventually you know, will end up making the movie. But, but you're the glue, right? Like, you're the... You're the it's like it's a centrifuge, right? They're all spinning around the, the, the producers yeah. of the movie, uh-huh. you know? And usually there's one guy who's actually in charge of making the damn thing, yeah. you know? I mean, there's, it's a collaborative process. So it's never one guy or one girl. You know, it's never one person, but it's, it's, it's usually a group of people who are in charge of... Like, the producer would hire the line producer, for example, or the production manager. Yeah. You know that person would hire all the, yeah. all the craftspeople working on the film, right? But they would also be instrumentally involved in hiring, with the director's input, yeah. or they, they they would probably hire the director, and then under the director's the director gives input to the producer as to who. He well, he'd bring on usually his team. He'd be like, "Yeah, I want to work with this dire- this editor and this director of photography," and da da da. And the producer approves. If the, the, yes, the producer, but the producer might be a studio, right? If you're talking bigger, the producer's going to be a studio. So the studio's going to have approval over that. But a, you know, in the independent film world, usually it's a smaller team of people. And so the producer would definitely have approval over the, those kinds of hiring decisions. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, whoever owns the movie. We were sort of talking a bit before with um, the relationship between the director and the producer. What about, um, 
the, the relationship? I don't know. Does the producer often have a relationship with the the actors, other crew members, or is it just mainly with the director and other producers? I think if you're asking about the producer's relationship, is kind of defined by what they want it to be, and also how many producers there are. Like I said, like the, today. When you look at independent film, it's very typical that you'd have 17 producers. So one producer might be the creative producer that's on set. One producer would maybe never set foot on step at all. Mm-hmm. They would just be somebody who made a phone call and helped right. helped you cast somebody. You know, so like it really depends. So like the the relationship that a producer has and the interactions that they have with the people on set, I think is is well, it is directly correlated with their function on the film. Right. Right. So. But like the short answer is yeah. I mean, any producer could technically do anything, yeah. but like everybody's got their job. To, everybody's got their job. Yeah. It's funny you mention that because we've actually in, because in my program I actually uh, one of the things I study like the specializations is actually uh, the art and business of film. Yeah. And we've had a few business uh, film classes, and yep. what I've noticed is sort of what you were talking about is that their producer pretty much it's just. There can be 17 or 20 or 30 producers in a, in a film, and they all decide what their input is. Just out of curiosity, do you think, because I know there's the term executive producer, at the end of the day, do you think it really means anything? Or Because I know I've had teachers tell me that there isn't really, whether you're executive or anything, it's yeah. a producer's a producer, and they decide how much they... Uh, I think, uh, well, an executive producer is usually more... Usually an executive producer is not as hands-on with the actual granular level making of the film. Mm-hmm. So executive producers traditionally would be somebody who is going to be a slightly higher up, not going to say higher up, but they're not going to be as um, directly correlated with the, the, the actual physical production of right. the film. They will be more involved with the casting, the financing. So um, pre-production? Not necessarily pre... It's, I'd, I'd say it's not necessarily... I wouldn't think of it as pre-production development like or production. I don't, I don't think that's... I would, because it actually spans all of it, really. It's more related to what is their contribution to the film on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a global level. Mm-hmm. Like if you're the guy who introduces me to the guy who gives me money mm-hmm. for a film mm-hmm. and I say, well, thank you for picking up the phone and making that introduction. I'm going to give you an executive producer for that. All you did was pick up the phone and call a guy. I know a really rich guy, he's going to invest in my movie, in, in your movie, because your movie is a good investment. Let me make an introduction. Great, thank you. Can I give you an executive producer credit for that service? <laughs> wow, I Right? But no, but that's, but that's, so some of it is that, uh-huh. 100%. Some of it is the guy who gives the money, uh-huh. right? The wealthy individual who contributes as an investment in your independent film. They're going to get a credit too. Their credit's going to be an executive producer credit. So if even if one person's just like, oh, here's this money, make this movie, and he's not involved in anything, just gives the money, he counts as a producer. Well, I, well, I, would, I would say that is the job of an executive producer. An executive producer is to get the money, help get the money. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's what they do. They, that's what an executive producer does. Now, I think today that's gotten fairly diluted. Like That's why you have so many producers on a film. Because even the guy who works for the bank gets... The producer credit. The, the three people who work for the financing company, great, you can have my, my money, but these three people are all now producers on your film. Like, it doesn't, like, to a, to a certain, it is diluted. I think the actual meaning of what it, I think traditionally there may have been 
I don't know, actually, to be fair, I'm not sure that the role of the executive director actually changed. I think maybe what, what has changed are the economics of the business and how difficult it is to actually get something made. So because it's more complicated, because it's more difficult, because you have to film in 17 jurisdictions around the world to just make your movie, because you have to do that, I think it's become more difficult, requires more hands, and therefore more hands requires more people who are involved collectively in financing, casting, you know, creating co-productions, doing this, that, I don't know, like all of it. So you get more credits. Oh, cool. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I know that you've worked on a uh, number of films. Uh, All is Lost, Spotlight, Killing Zelda Sparks. Um, that's what it, Killing Zelda Sparks, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your experience uh, like with, the, with those films and um, what do you take from it? Every, well, I think what's fun about doing the job is that every job is different. Right. So you do get to sort of, you know, you know, like every, every film that's own little independent business. So it's like running a business. Mm-hmm. You get to enjoy the ups and downs and the difficulties and challenges of that business. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of move on to the next business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same thing, rinse, repeat. But every time it's a little bit different. So... I think, you know, whether you're doing a $10,000 student film or whether you're doing a multi-million dollar production Mm -hmm. uh, or whether you're working at the highest levels of film, like at the studio level or or the highest levels of independent cinema, you're always learning something different. That's why you do it. And like, what do you take away from it to answer your question? I mean, you take something different every time. time. And really what you learn is like all the the ways you screwed up and, and... to hopefully not screw up again yeah. in the same way. You'll screw up in different ways. For just sure. kind of figuring out the ways not to screw up each time and do it a little bit better. Right. Um, so being a producer in the, the film industry, what's actually your, your favorite part? The highs, the positives? I, you know what? I love the cones. Cone brothers? No, not, no, just the cones, the pylons. Oh. I like the pylons on set. I love the pylons. I love them. They're so good. You know why? Every time I see a pylon, it's because I know it's close to the food truck. Never underestimate the value of a craft services truck. They, they don't do anything else, the pylons? Or they, just... they, you know, they tell me a movie's happening, which is also fun. Okay. I like that too. I like that too. Craft services. Craft services. Pylons, craft services. That's where the action's at. Wait, craft service, they're the catering company or what are they? Yeah, they're the food, man. The food. You get the good food from craft services. Um, and what's your, your least favorite part besides the, you know, say if there were no pylons? Um, you know, there's a lot of bullshit when you make a movie. Like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of... You look, you make a movie, you're never going to get out of a movie without... Ego getting in the way. Who getting? Ego. Right. Without ego getting in the way. Somebody's ego. You know? Anybody. Anybody. Could be anybody. All movie sets come with, I mean, I I guess technically maybe any business can come with that, but this business, like in general, can come with a lot of ego. And that's always difficult to challenge. It's always challenging to navigate. It's always annoying to deal with because that can get in the, in the way, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, 
Yeah. Listen, so you, the, the, ultimately the question is when you make a movie, you're, you're, it's, you're going to war. That, that, that wasn't me. Like somebody else, like one of the, the people who, who I kind of learned under a little bit, like he always said, you know, going, making movies like going to war. Yeah. And you have to be willing to basically go to war with your team. And so like the, having a good group of people around you, I mean, one of the great things that you have mm-hmm. being a student right now is to develop your network of friends and uh, classmates and collaborators and people that you know you want to go to war with over the long, mm-hmm. the long run. But has every project you've had, there's always been an ego problem every time? I want to say like every, pro- every project I think can, yes. I don't want to say an ego problem. I, I, I think it's like you're, you're in a business of ego. I mean, don't, don't forget that. Like the film business, you know, there's a lot of really big, big alpha personalities in that business, right? So like I wouldn't say it's like an ego problem, but it, it, it's, it's like it's, it's one of the things that can definitely get in the way, certainly, if you're not, if you're, if you're not cognizant that that, that, that exists. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that you know, like, like the job of the producer is also to navigate that, to, you know, I mean, you're not, it's not like, <clears throat> I mean, maybe I use the word flippantly. Maybe I'm just like, okay, I'm giving you the wrong idea of what I mean by when I say ego. But I, I think it's more about understanding that there can be challenging personalities in this business, particularly, and when you're working at a high level with lots of money mm-hmm. and lots of people who are also usually very opinionated, right? Right, like, and it's a collaborative process, and it's all got to come together. And when you think about, when you think about it, really, it's amazing a movie even gets made. Right. Like, there's so many moving parts. Like, but the incredible thing is, and one of the magic, one, one of the big one, you got, like one of the real reasons I enjoy the process is, like, you can make a movie in like literally three phone calls sometimes. Like, you call one person, they call another person, they call another person, but each person they call calls ten other people. So like, you can make three phone calls, right? And tomorrow you'd have a hundred people on your movie set, right? right? Like there, so there's an architecture to it, right? There's a structure to it. There is a military hierarchical, mm-hmm. you know, like way in which movies get made, and that's the only way movies can get made. That's the only way you can have a hundred people disband mm-hmm. and come together and disband again and come together, movie after movie after movie, because everybody knows the way the system works. So like it's, but then but then you, you take. What you do is, is, is that system, yeah. but you pile on top of that system mm-hmm. a bunch of ego and power and millions and millions and millions of dollars, mm-hmm. and therein lies, you know, or can lie, the challenge. Not, not always. I mean, there, are, there have been cases where they're, like, it hasn't really come into play. And those are great things. I mean, those are great. Yeah. How do you resolve the, 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 when the, the clash of egos maybe? How do you, how do you resolve that? Or you just kind of deal with it as the project. Um, well, you're asking an interesting question. Like, how do you resolve a, how do you resolve an ego problem? And it's, that's not a, it's not a film specific question. That's like a life question. I think you need to just find what is important to you and what's important. I mean, in anything, like what's important to you, mm-hmm. is not necessarily what's important to the person that you're talking to. Right. Like everything is is about understanding what somebody's worldview is. Yeah. I think more than anything like that. I'm not an expert in that, like by any means. I mean, that's just more like a, hey, life question. Mm. I don't know. Okay. 
You just got to find your own way. So, um, you've, um, I trust you, why did you decide to start your own uh, production company rather than, you know, continue working at already well-established <coughs> firms such as uh, Alliance Atlantis and E1 Entertainment? Uh, I started my production company with a business partner many years after leaving, several years after leaving some of the larger companies. But like the, the, the first company that I worked with, Alliance Atlantis, right, I, I got laid off because they got out of production. There was like 150 people that got laid off, myself included, because production is not a good business. Um, it's not. You reach any, any production company of any size, it's very rare, very, very, very rare for them to actually be able to stay in business over the long term. Right. You know, that's actually what happened to Alliance Atlantis. The broadcasting was a better business than production was. Production chews up cash. Costs a lot of money up front. Takes a lot of money time to get the money back. So um, it's a very difficult business model to sustain over the long term. So they got out of production. I got out of it at the same time that they fired everybody, laid everybody off. And uh, then I've been freelancing mostly ever since. Um, because I had learned a skill set from that opportunity that allowed me to basically be a freelancer in the film business. Does that sort of answer? Like, like I didn't, so I didn't really decide to like leave big companies to really to answer your question. It was more like happenstance forced me, and then I became a working member of the film community as anybody else who's in the anybody who's like a grip a lawyer, a production accountant, anybody who's a working member of the film community who does a job on a film, you know, like, that's the same thing. That's what I do. But I, I mean, though, like, why did you, after you got laid off, you were like, okay, why don't I... Become a carpenter? <laughs> well, I don't know. You're like, oh, why don't I work in this company or that company? But you decided to start the sudden storm. Why oh, uh, well, I, st- I, I was freelancing before I st- had started um, my film company with, again, my business partner at the time, but the, um, why did I not go try and find another job? That, like, look, I think, generally speaking, you got to be one of, there's one, there's a couple different kinds of people out there. There are people who can be, who need security, they need a job, they need to know they got a paycheck every week, okay? Those are people who, who are okay working in an organization where they have employment that comes with a paycheck that is steady. Nothing wrong with that. That is like the bedrock of most people. Mm-hmm. There are other people, however, big picture, who are comfortable free-falling, who are comfortable not knowing where their next job is going to come from, who are comfortable just being a freelancer. Mm-hmm. You know, most freelancers in the film business are not employed. Like, they're not. Like any, I think you're either a freelancer or you're not. You're either somebody who wants to live in a company, live in a company, who's somebody who wants to work at a company with a regular paycheck or you're comfortable being either a freelancer in the film business or just generally being somebody who's willing to free fall a little bit through life and not know necessarily where your next job is going to come from. But you're not, it's not like you're, you're, you're willing to do what you do, whatever that happens to be in the creative space and just, you know, maybe you've got a side job, maybe you don't. You know, that's helping you pay the bills while you do the thing that you want to do if you want to be a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, you might need to find something else on the side. Maybe, maybe you do need a job mm-hmm. at a company that's in the film business or not. And then at, at night you, you write. Until your writing gets you to the place where you can be a writer full time.
So I, you know, like that's you. You got to figure that out for your, for yourself, really. That's kind of like not like, hey, why did I do that? Well, I did that because that is, you know, I'm comfortable with that. I'm okay with that. You know, you got to make that decision for yourself. How does one actually start their own production company? Is it like they have to sign some sort of contract, or they can just start like that? Well, you start at the production company. You just like. You, you just go and incorporate a company. You just have a, a company is nothing but just like you know it's, it's paper. Like it just it's it just it, it it's a it's a thing that doesn't have any value unless you give it value. So like how you start it is not like should you start it. Like the how you start you know it's easy to tell you how to start a company. Like but like why should you start a company at all? Like do you have any business to put into the company? You know like that's the more fundamental question I think. That would need to be asked but in your case it's not like like I think where you are is you need to focus on like whatever that thing is that you want to do mm-hmm. and eventually it'll grow to either maybe you are maybe you know you're very successful as you know a filmmaker and then you need a company to support your like I, I mean I, I think the question's a bit skewed like I'm not sure I'm actually providing you value in your in this answer because I'm not sure really what like what do you want to know oh it's just like for example like <clears throat> sudden sudden storm how did you we're two people we came together we said hey we're going to incorporate a company and that's just going to be we're going to hang our banner under this company for a bit and see if we can drive business to it and you got to go out and get business like any company really yeah um so many consider that the film industry within Canada is very weak and you know you often find Canadian actors and directors leaving Canada to do work in Hollywood. Yep. And do you, so do you believe that Canada has a viable film industry that can grow and if so why? I think the strength of Canadian cinema is directly proportionate to Canadian filmmakers making movies um, that are good, <laughs> right? Like it's it's a weird one because you're saying like the, you know it's not like the Canadian. I get what you're saying. You're, 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 what you're getting at because we were talking about this before yeah. is that you know film is dead in Canada. That's you know TV is 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 is, is where it's at. Film is dead, right? In Canada. In Canada. Okay, well, I, I don't like I'm not comparing to other places in the world, but I don't know if that's really true necessarily. I think, I mean, look, I mean, like, how do you not look at a Canadian filmmaker that's been supported by the Canadian system, like a Denis Villeneuve, yeah. right, and not say that that's a complete success, right? Like, but because he's sort of you know quote unquote expatriated himself to work on bigger, better movies. That just the Canadian system can't support at that level? Mm-hmm. Is that a failure of the Canadian system? I don't know. Like, is... Um, is... <clears throat> the, 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 the young Quebec uh, director, I forget his name. Uh, um, whatever. The guy who did very well, wins all the awards he, I, I can. Yeah. He's, he's a Quebecer, right? Yeah. That guy. Um, Xavier Dolan. Xavier Dolan. Right. So, you know, I mean, he's a Canadian filmmaker supported by the Canadian system. He does very well. He's an auteur, sure. I mean, like, but, uh, you know, in the commercial space, 
people who are making more commercial fare, whatever that means, you know. Um, I don't know, you make a good movie. Like, you know, Room, Room was a Canadian movie. It was an international co-production. It was technically a Canadian movie. Um, you know, it's really hard to put your finger on what's Canadian, is my point. Like, I don't know... It's a very blurry line, I think. And it's nice to put your stamp on something and say, that's Canadian. Anything that's successful, that is tangent. Like, Paul Haggis is a Canadian screenwriter. Does anything, is anything, everything he makes, is that Canadian? I mean, we've got these definitions. They're like arbitrary lines in the sand. And you go, well, you know, this is the United States and this is Mexico. You know, I, I don't know. So you think the lines are blurred? Yeah, I think the lines are really blurred. The lines are really blurred because, you know, we live in a global economy. I think producers are financing their movies mm-hmm. globally, across the board. You know, if, if, the, only arbit, if the only, you know, um, arbiter, arbiter of it being a Canadian film is it being, say, 100% financed in Canada with Canadian filmmakers and Canadian talent and da-da-da-da-da, then, you know, well, that's going to be a... You ain't going to have any successful Canadian films ever, right? If you're only saying it's a $250,000 movie from a Canadian filmmaker who's just getting the career start, you know, that can be entirely Canadian. If you're waiting for that one movie to come out that's a breakout success that's going to be... that you're going to hold out as being the Canadian, you know, movie that is super successful, and look, look how great Canadian cinema is, you're, you're doomed to fail, you know? Like, this is why when you look at, and I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds, but when you look at some of the legislation, mm-hmm. new legislation about what Canadian cinema is, it's becoming looser because it's really hard to paint within the current lines that exist and create successful Canadian content. So if the definition of Cana- Canadian is Canadian content either by co-production mm-hmm. or by just straight up shot in Canada, Canadian only made, you know, stuff, like, it's tough. Like it's tough. I, I think it's really blurry. And I think, I think what you need is a system that fundamentally supports people like you. Mm-hmm. And then you just see where the fuck it goes. You know? Like the system's got to support you. Right. If it doesn't support you, there is no Canadian cinema because then there's no new crop of filmmakers coming up to do good shit. Right? right? So like what's Canadian cinema? Canadian cinema, I think, has more to do with supporting people like you I don't even want to say who tell Canadian stories because I just think that's bullshit too because I don't even know what a fucking Canadian story is. Like, what's a Canadian story? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you could, I mean, you could say that like, you know, it's a movie about insert Canada, Canada, Canada thing, story thing here. Right? But, like, when this movie, again, I'm going to come back to this. When this movie gets made Mm -hmm. by a US studio, will it be a Canadian movie? was written by a Canadian author, mm-hmm. the book, adapted into a screenplay by the same author, mm-hmm. produced, financed, probably cast with mostly Americans. Is that Canadian? Um, I mean, there's some elements that are Canadian too. I, 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 like, that's more Canadian than anything else because that, that came out of this, the, the underlying IP mm-hmm. written by a Canadian. Developed by a Canadian. Script written by a Canadian too, right? Same person, but still. Could have been two different things, right? Yeah, I mean, if it gets produced that's a, like, in Hollywood, though, doesn't that instantly... He, 
You know, I mean, like this is this is and this is this is the this is the legislative problem, mm-hmm. right? This is where the legislative problem because you're you're also in a business you're in a cultural business too, right? Yeah. You're in a business where the the film business is supported by the arts. The cultural, you know, supporting of the arts is what helps Canadian filmmakers make Canadian films. Again, whatever that means, but there is a definition. There is. There is strict legislative definitions around what Canadian is. I'm just saying that when you look at the strict definition of what Canadian is, and you look at all the outliers that exist outside of it, both outside of it and inside of it, mm-hmm. you could poke holes anywhere. It's like fucking Swiss cheese, right? You can go, that thing which was made inside the system is Canadian content, but really it's not really Canadian content. Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the thing that was made outside the lines, and you go, that's more Canadian than the thing that was ma- made inside the lines. I don't know how to answer your question. Um, so I mean, in a meaningful way, but like no, that's I, my I, answer. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, so I know you mentioned at the beginning when you were starting out that <clears throat> your strategy was sort of to look at um, what you didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, so just continuing on that, how do you suggest you know to a person who you know he knows that. He feels something when he watches films. He knows he wants to get in this industry. How do you suggest he, he you know, finds what he exactly wants to do? Like, do you think he sort of does like what you did? He sort of says what he doesn't want to do. Do you have a specific strategy? Or what do you think? I think the answer is you shouldn't get into film at all. I think you should find a completely different business and knock it in. Notwithstanding that, if you're determined to get into this business, that's the only thing that's going to sustain you in this business because it's a hard business, mm-hmm. requires longevity. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done it, but the only reason I'm doing it is because I can't think of anything else that I'd rather do. Like, you got to, like, be at that level. And everybody in this business is psychotic enough to be at that level because that's what they really want to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, you got to really, 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 really want to do it. You know, being a writer is hard. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard. Being a director is hard. So, does that answer your question, sort of? I mean, I, it... Like, I what, do you really, like, what do you really want to know? Well, I just want to know, say if someone is, um, they're, like, interested in getting in film, but they don't know exactly what specific uh, area, whether it be a writer, a director, a producer, even a costume designer. Do you know, do you suggest maybe any... Strategy is it maybe just simply exposure? Or yeah, I think you need to get out there and do something that gets you closer to what you think you want to do. Okay. I think if it's if you're not sure what you want to do, then get onto a major film set and just have a look around. You know, go volunteer for your student film with some friends. Mm-hmm. Go make a film. You know, like like this is maybe closer to what I want to do than almost anything else I want to do. Because this is fun. Like, like I love this communication. This communication, this communication. I love that. Mm-hmm. Because it's actually, like, engaging with, you know, the one-on-one, but also, hopefully, a larger community of people that want to also engage and say you're wrong, mm-hmm. or you're right, or, you know, or thank you, or no thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean... Like, this, to me, is, 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 this is more interesting than anything else right now. Because this is where the world's audience, this is where the world audience is. You know, so, like, there is a mature film business. So, what I'm, the reason why I'm, 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 I'm saying this at all, yeah. 
is because it's like you got to experiment with almost all of it. If you're not sure where you want to go, but you know you want to go in that direction, well, just move in that direction and see what it looks like. Because you can always change where you're going. I mean, I've changed a couple times in sort of what, how I've kind of positioned what I do. You know, whether you call yourself a producer, whether you call yourself, you know, a, a writer, whether you, whether you want to get on a film set just because you want to be like, just exposed to the action every day and be out on a film set. Like, you might get on a film set and be like, this is fucking wild. This is great. I love these pylons. This craft service truck's amazing. I ain't doing anything unless I'm on a craft service truck. I'm going to be a film guy for the rest of my life. On set. You know? Uh-huh. You might love that. Yeah. You don't know. Go do it. Um, just when you were getting in, you, you didn't want to originally get into film. You were a business student and then... Well, no, no, it's not that I didn't want to get into film. I wanted to get into the industry and the business. Right. I just didn't really know what that was. Like, I had to learn. And, and how did you learn? Was it through school? Was it through... No, it wasn't through school. It was just because I got a job at a place that happened to be a really cool place at the time to get a job. And that job happened to teach me a lot about the business... But there was, yeah. But that was luck. Like, not get the job itself wasn't luck because it took, like I said, it took eighty plus interviews to actually get the job, Mm -hmm. like over months of time um, to get that job. Um, That took a lot of time and a lot of effort. So I was definitely going after something. But I, I don't, I couldn't tell you what I was going after because every time I took an interview, I was asking people, "What should I do?" Like, what's, like, I was telling them what my skill set was, and they would suggest, oh, you might be interested in this, you might be interested in that. So every time I take an, an interview with somebody, they would nudge me one direction or the other. Wait, they, the interview was with people at Alliance, or just you? No, I had, I had to interview multiple people at Alliance, but I also interviewed, like, you know, 80 other people, or, like, 75 other people. People are in the... In, in the, the film business. Right. In different spots. Right. Right? So... Like, and each time I met with somebody new, they would give me a slightly different kit. I met with a producer. I met with a producer. He said, if you're going to work for me, you're going to work for me for free for the first three months. Okay. That was actually a good deal. Should have taken it at the time. He was a big producer. I didn't really want to do a free three-month gig. Back then, maybe I should have. <laughs> Life might have turned out differently. I don't know. You know? So, um, Yeah. You just got to do something and see where that leads you. And another thing I wanted to ask about uh, in regards to being a producer, because you you emphasized uh, the importance of uh, the IP, the options. Um, I want to make this into a a movie. What what are the the negotiations like, really? You know what? That's a really, really, really big question. does it just all depend on the situation? Or? Yeah, it's totally dependent on what you're trying to do, who you're trying to do with, the size of what you're trying to go after. I, I think, uh, I mean, are you trying to go after something right now? Or are you just asking this as a general question? Just as a general question. But you it's too big of an answer. I could spend hours just talking about that. You could spend thousands of dollars going to a conference with a bunch of lawyers who tell you how to do that thing, right? People go to law school just to figure that out. Right, like hire a good lawyer. <laughs> it's, okay. You know, what? like like what you want is more like 
you're asking about the mechanics of how to do it. That's not really the important question. The important question is just find something you want to do and then hire a lawyer. And then you'll figure out the rest along the way. Right? Okay. Like, just find the thing you want to do. Yeah. And then just take the steps necessary to do that thing, which would probably be to, you know, at that point, either engage somebody who's been through it before, yeah. hire or call a lawyer, say, I've got a book or a thing or a whatever that I want to option to turn into a movie, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of what you're... Yeah, that's yeah. What, yeah. Yeah, so I think you, I wouldn't worry about it. Worry more about finding the good thing that you're going to fall in love with, and then you want to make. Will play out itself. It'll, it, you'll, you'll learn real quick. No, because I mean, I, in my film and business class, he told us sort of the, you know, like he was like, okay, so it was sort of like a scenario assignment a bit. And I was like, yeah. okay, one of, it's a, it was pairs. It was like, okay, you're going to be the, the author and then you're going to be the producer who wants to license the. the oh, book. like a, you were like a playing the negotiation yeah, game kind of thing? And yeah, and I was kind of, I just, I, I was the, I think I was the, the, the writer who made the book and the person was the producer and I did I don't know. It felt weird. I didn't know where to go or anything. Yeah, because I think you're, you're, you're doing a fake negotiation over something that really you had no real... Like, it's not that you... Like, what may have been more valuable for you is just doing, you know, negotiation training in general right. rather than trying to negotiate... Yeah, as I, a, I didn't know what to say. Because you don't know... You, yeah. you don't even know what a book... Like, if I asked you what a book option was, you don't really even know what that is. Like, other than what we've talked about today. Like, what, what, like we, I had to explain that here, which is fine. Yeah. But I'm saying, like... To do that exercise without actually having any context for what it is that you're like, if I, it's like saying go into, go negotiate for a, a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, M&A acquisition right now. Go. Role play that. I'm going to buy your billion dollar company. I don't fucking know. I don't even know. I don't know how that transactional thing works, right? Like if you were like really think about the, like, so you had no context for yeah. that negotiation, yeah, I right? I mean, uh, for example, they... I think she threw like a the producer threw like sort of an, a number, and I mean I was just like okay I don't know if this is this is good or this is this is bad. You know? I think maybe the I understand what the goal was, but I think ultimately yeah. it was like a negotiation role play, which is fine. But I think yeah. like the the service seems to be more one of I'm going to teach you how to negotiate rather than really teaching you what the context around the negotiation really means. Yeah. Anyway. So I think what I'm I'm realizing now is because I asked you before what's it like the negotiation and, yeah. and that's very hard to answer but maybe what I should have asked and what I will ask now is that what are some good tips to have what do you some recommendations when you are in that negotiation room with that person and you just want to turn their work so badly into a film? Just answered your own question. <laughs> Well, what do, you, what do you have to do? What do you have to, you know? That's it. You want to so badly turn their work into a film. Like, I don't know what else. I, if you stood here and, and said, I, if, I, if you told that to anybody, um, I'm pretty sure they'd be flattered to hear that. That's it. Okay. <laughs> but what else are you going to say to somebody? I love your shit. I want to make your thing into a movie. Fine. Great. Do they like you? Do they trust you? Do they believe that you can do it? I mean, you got to show them those kinds of things. You know, obviously, you, you lead with lead with the enthusiasm of wanting to do it. But you know, if you're talking to, I mean, it depends who you're talking to, right? If you're talking to another person who's never had anything published before or was writing the first script, like you might be like, okay, let's great, let's do this together, right? And then you figure out a, a, a business proposition that works for both of you. If you're talking to an established writer or somebody who's who's got some stuff under their belt 
it's going to be a different conversation. Like, okay, can you really pull this off? How are you going to pull this off? What's your plan? How much are you going to pay me? When are you going to pay me? You know, okay. like so it changes. But so, um, come, so come prepared for those questions, but all while you know just simply saying I want to. Do well, well, yeah, I, I I think you got to obviously yeah. love what you do, uh-huh. and show the other person you want to do it. Yeah. But I think you're going to have to have a plan to back up whatever it is you're okay. trying to do. Okay. Ultimately. So I've noticed also, this is probably going to be my last question, but I've noticed that throughout this interview, you've just, you've expressed your, your enthusiasm and your passion for the business side of film, the business. So why be a producer rather than maybe say a, an, an entertainment lawyer, maybe just some kind of business analyst? Why producer? I think uh, a produ- as a producer, you get to touch more um, aspects of the business. You get to be involved. Like I say, I like being on set. I like negotiation. I like, you know, the collaborative process. I like, you know, as a, as a new producer, you know, you get, to, you get to do a lot of different things, which can be exciting, can be boring. So I spend most of my day here in front of this computer. Honestly, I spend most of my day here on this, this thing and on, on the phone and just typing away and doing, like, like the, the vast majority of my job is spreadsheets, right? But... I get to get out of the office a lot and do some fun shit too, you know, and, and that... Like Sure, yeah. Like, that's fun. You know, so... You know, as... I don't think you get to do that type of stuff as much when you're more isolated as a... You know, as it's a different job. I mean, like, you, you can't be a producer without a lawyer, without mm-hmm. having a lawyer. You can't, right? You need good, good lawyers. You need... You know, but that's... Those are professions, that happen to specialize in a sub, you know, like the lawyer, entertainment lawyer, mm-hmm. could be like, you know, is it's it's you know, different thing, yeah, right? It's 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 a it's a, um, it's its own specialty, you know. So you, you got to one have a love of law and be a lawyer first, mm-hmm. and then you got to have the you know the desire to enter entertainment law, mm-hmm. right? So it's like they're different they're different things, right? Yeah. So if, First, they're a lawyer, then they're an entertainment lawyer. Yeah. Like, they're not an entertainment lawyer first because they want to be in the film business. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that was the driving force initially, but I doubt If you ask anybody who mm-hmm. became a lawyer, I highly doubt they became a lawyer initially because they wanted to become an entertainment lawyer. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Though I play one on TV, you know? I'm not, I, I don't know, but I suspect that most of the people went to law school because they had some other ideas about what they wanted to do with their life and their career, and then somewhere along the line, they were like, ah, uh, you know, I'm going to be an entertainment lawyer. Or as opposed to I'm going to be, you know, a litigator or uh, that kind of a lawyer. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. We just spent an hour together. Um, at, and what was your biggest takeaway? I'd say my biggest takeaway is that um, I learned that, you know, the film industry, it's, it's if you want to be in it, you have to, you have to be crazy. You got to have a passion. You got to have the, the fire and you just have to, you got to, you got to love it. And you got to be fully committed to it. But you gotta love it, and it may be tiring, but um, it's definitely it's it's definitely worth the ride, and you can take a lot from it. Cool, thank you, thank you so much. Whoa, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you if you stuck around or checked out any segments of it, please link up any questions that you have below. We will do more of this as we can on this channel. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right, say goodbye. Take care. (laughs) All right, man. We'll see you later. Take care.